Welcome to She Brigade, the podcast. I'm your host, Belun Klemsemeche. On this podcast, we bring you amazing trailblazing women to come and share their life and career journeys with you. From entrepreneurs to nine to fivers, join us as each guest takes you through all of the highs and all of the lows of their journeys that have led them to being who they are today. Hey, Brigade, and welcome to another episode of She Brigade. Before we dive into today's episode, remember to share it with a friend, rate and review the podcast, and sign up to our newsletter for all the latest updates on the podcast. Today's guest is Gia Mokhetu Matu. Gia is the former CEO of Aqua Air Africa, an atmospheric water generation company. Prior to that, she held various roles like brand strategist, group marketing communications manager, and even worked in the heavy-duty vehicle manufacturing industry. On this episode, we discuss her journey to being a young CEO and all of the challenges that came with that. Leading at different levels, mentorship, and the value of curating your environment from the company you keep to the content you consume. Let's dive in. Hey, Kia, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Belo. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to have you on, but I have to share this. So, guys, we, this is our second take um, because of technical issues. But during our first take, we just realized and found out that we are from the exact same neighborhood. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I, I absolutely am shocked. Delightful. delightful like, I'm delighted. Um, but, yeah, that's crazy. That's really crazy. It, Right. Okay. So for everyone to know, take us, take us back. So take us all the way back. Let's start all the way from the beginning. Okay. Um, so I was born and partially raised in Mabato, Unit 6. Um, I lived with my mom and my grand, I mean, my mom and my brother and moved to Gauteng in 1991, 1998. Um, I've lived in Pretoria West, East, in Centurion, and now I'm based in Midrand. And oh, wow. <laughs> please don't tell me. You stay in Midrand too. No. <laughs> no, I don't. I actually don't. But I'm just shocked at how much you moved around. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but you know what? Um the first part was just um being in Mabato and then I mean I was born in nineteen ninety one, so age twenty-nine. And after that I lived in Pretoria West for quite some time and then the east and then um Centurion and only two years ago that I moved to Midrand. So I actually, you know, remained in the same schools and university the whole time. So I did have that stability. And, mm. you know, I, I always am a math town girl, but I'm also a Pretoria girl, you know. Um, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's how I look at it. Um, and where it all began for me when it came, when it comes to my career and what I actually wanted was it all began when I picked up a copy of, um, Richard Branson's book, um, Losing My Virginity and also a copy of The Famished Road by Ben Okri, um, at a library in high school. And from then I knew two things about me and what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be a writer. Um, inspired by Ben Okri. And I also wanted to build audacious businesses that would be underdogs and game changers at the end of the day. And um, taking it back to Mabato, um, I think at the age of six, my friend and I sold 
and all the gentlemen two bottles of beer, but don't be alarmed. We had taken <laughs> we had taken empty brown bottles, filled them with tea leaves and water, and uh, we sold we sold him the bottles. And he actually bought them like two bottles. Um, we were desperate for ice cream, so we had to make a plan of how can we make <laughs> quick money. He bought the bottles, forgot them in his freezer, and they burst. So um, the jig was up, and the next day he ended up chasing us around the complex um, the whole day. So essentially, I was, a, <laughs> I, was a, I was a naughty child, but a naughty, shy child with a plan. And um, I think maybe that's where you know, I started loving um, selling things or, or building um, things and yeah, putting it out there into the market. When it comes to my upbringing, I was raised by a very uh, fierce and independent single mother. Um, she put herself through school um, and, you know, got her degrees. And she ensured that, you know, honestly, I never lacked anything. And I think watching her and seeing her make her own dreams come true and taking care of her family, it only became quite natural for me to want to do the same. And that's the only narrative I've known ever since. Mm. Wow. Okay. So when, when you were like in either grade 10 or grade 11, you know, when you pick your subject and then you start applying to varsities in like grade 11 or 12, what did you think you were going to be? So like, I know you said you, you knew you, you, were, you wanted to be a writer and you wanted to build businesses, but in terms of studying, which route were you going to take? Well, I my subjects, I took business studies, I took accounting, and I took consumer sciences, which was formerly um, home ec, I guess. So mm. those were the ones that I took, and obviously um, math, math. Um, that, and I, I, I wanted to be a writer, to be honest. Um, I loved reading so much, and I spent so much of my childhood buried in books, or basically doing the other thing, which was I've actually like sold everything and anything that you know <laughs> people do in primary school and high school. I've sold lollipops. I've sold um lipopotani, you know, where you're mixing sweeto and water in the plastic thing and then you freeze it. Yes. I've done that. I've sold Twinkles. I had a brief stint as a loan shark, but like small oh things like gosh. two rands, <laughs> turning two rands into four rands. You know, if you ask me for two rands tomorrow, I want it as four rands. So um, those are the two things that I knew that I wanted to do. Like I wanted to generate my own money um, and be a businesswoman and I also wanted to to write because I experienced and traveled the world through different authors I fell in love with you know the continent through authors like Jinra Achebe, Ben Okri and so many more Chris Van Vake um, that's that's how I traveled and I also thought for some reason one day I'll have this big story to tell about my own life and I'll probably write that book at like 60 or 70 or something like that. But essentially, I think those are the two things I've never been confused about. Okay. Wow. I mean, you, you're already sharing your story now. So, you you know, you're getting there. You're just going to put it in written form. <laughs> the best is yet to come. I'm a believer in that. Yeah. Okay. And take us through your university journey. Okay. And then what it was like from university getting into your first job. Okay. Um, so my university journey, I went to the University of Pretoria. 
And after that, I did my postgrad at Vega, and then I ended off at um, Vix Business School. But, you know, in university, I also ended up um, getting myself into other businesses, maybe more sustainable ones there. Um, started, <laughs> <laughs> um, co-founded an events company with two of my friends called The Law Events. It was pretty nice. Um, um, we did like fashion events, actually got one sponsored by BMW. It was a really nice thing. And um, also started like a cleaning business with another friend of mine. And that lasted a week. <laughs> and this was and this was because we ended up um spending the whole day making these flyers. Then we went to the different um apartment uh, apartments and dropped like these flyers, these pamphlets, knocked at people's doors, offered our cleaning services, and we were like surprised that we never heard from anyone. And then we realized we put the wrong number on the pamphlet. Oh, no. <laughs> to say we were defeated was like the least thing. Like, <laughs> we were just like, okay, maybe this is not what we were meant to do. But while studying, I also had a part-time job um, at Jenny Button. So I worked as a freelance stylist. Um, I felt like, you know, I wanted to make some extra cash on the side. And um, at the University of Pretoria, I actually did a BA. Um, remember, I said I always thought I was going to be a writer and mm -hmm. I love reading and everything like that. And then like halfway through, I started taking like extra modules in like business, like completely something different because um, I wanted to see if, you know, um, if I made a mistake or if this is something that I should have studied instead but um I actually did then start liking that however I finished my degree in, in my BA and then I went to Vegas to do my honors and then you know just ended up doing more your postgraduate courses and then also ended up um at Fitz Business School after that. Okay and 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 what was your first job? Okay. Out of varsity. My first job out of varsity was a job I got from my mentor, whom I met through Destiny Magazine. So she 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 was my mentor, and after varsity, she took a chance on me, and I became a a project manager for one of her companies and um, also did PR. And I actually fell in love with PR, branding, marketing, and communications like um, around that time. So she really nudged me into the right places, threw me into, you know, the ocean and expected me to swim. And I did. <laughs> I did. I guess she knew more about my capabilities more than I, more, more than I did. And I'll forever be indebted to her for that. Um, you know, she didn't need to do quite a lot of things that she did. And she, um, let, um, you know, opened up her doors and let me into her life. And I think that really made me part of the woman that I am today to have been exposed to such, um, you know, super successful women at a younger age. Yeah. And I mean, it's like we were saying before we started recording that it's, it is so important that proximity to successful women, to see people that are doing the things that you aspire to. It's so important to see that. So I'm glad you acknowledge that part. Yes. You can't be what you don't see. So exactly. I saw Dr. Nondumi Sumzizana um, in a magazine and I contacted her and, you know, till today she's a second mother to me. 
Mm. Oh, wow. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. And yeah, so walk us through more of your career journey. Okay. Um, so after that, I went into vehicle manufacturing, um, heavy duty vehicle manufacturing, where we specialized in um, assembling and manufacturing firefighting vehicles and um, administering firefighting applications for militaries, uh, municipalities, and airports. I think that's when I fell in love with um, the manufacturing sector and um, getting into that space that's really more male-dominated and a space where you really cannot see yourself. I worked at a factory. I'm a factory girl through and through. And that was also really great and awesome experience for me. Completely nothing that I thought I would have gotten into. Um, but once again, I learned quite a lot. Um, and that actually led me to getting headhunted for uh, a group marketing and communications manager position um, at Mwipuni Group. And after that, I was then moved and, you know, um, called to serve as the chief executive officer of Aqua Africa. So as you're making these moves, um, is it just that these um, positions, because they're very different positions, right? Yes. And, and, and different industries as well. Yes. Um, did you have a strategy about what you will take, what you will not take? Did you know where you were heading towards? Or did you? was it more like if an opportunity comes your way, just grab it with both hands? A mixture of everything. I don't think I could have planned moving from um, vehicle manufacturing to water technology to, you know, uh, mm. marketing and comms. I couldn't have necessarily planned all of that. But what I knew for sure is I wanted to be in roles that challenged me, roles that expected growth out of me. And I knew that once you've got a template when it comes to strategy, especially business strategy, then you can actually walk into any organization and really show up. So I have never limited myself to a specific industry, um, but I knew once again where I wanted to be and how I wanted to position myself. And it has always been building businesses and building brands. Mm, okay, and so um, you you said you were then called to be the CEO of Aqua Air Africa. So, firstly, like, tell us what they do, but also tell us what it meant for you to be CEO. Okay, so what Aqua Air Africa does is um, Aqua Air is an atmospheric water generation technology company. So, the technology that the company makes use of in order to produce pure drinking water, um, extracts humidity from the air. So we, or rather we used to, or rather they still do produce water from air um, through the extraction of um, humidity, which is then condensed, filtered, um, UV sterilized to produce this pure drinking water. Um, so I joined in when the company was essentially a startup on paper and I took on the role, which then goes into what exactly a CEO does. Um, you know, CEO's role essentially is, you know, that you're the custodian of the vision. You are the one that brings the vision to life. You are the one that sells and gets the buy-in of the vision and translates it to 
everyone else within the organization. As the CEO, you are accountable to the shareholders, you're accountable to the directors. And I believe as a leader, you remain accountable to your employees because you have to serve them. So when I joined um, Equia Africa, um, you know, it was a great opportunity um, given by um, the, the the chairman and founder of Mwiponi Group. And he honestly really, I think, you know, took a chance on this young, ambitious black girl. And I knew, you know, almost close to nothing about, you know, water technology. Mm. Uh, but I knew that, you know, water is essential. I knew that we are faced with a... Um, a, a terrible crisis that you know people don't necessarily want to discuss in the world, and what would happen in 2030, where we will have you know a, a shortage or scarcity of potable water. So we will most places won't even have drinking water, and I wanted to be part of a solution to something like that. And so as the CEO, I had to take that vision from the chairman and bring it to life, and that vision included building Africa's first atmospheric water generation plant where it was a pilot where we would be able to basically produce 10,000 litres of water per day from air. So my role as CEO was building this plant, assembling the team and the resources to bring that vision to life. Um, And currently, the company does have um, 41 employees from employee number one, to building it to 41 and having this plant in Harangua and um, your various branches and warehouses around um, Gauteng and having um, our bottled water in selected retail and forecourts. So, so I, pardon? Um, I just want to know, right? So you, you were not the founder of this company. You were brought in as CEO, yes, and that can be so. I can imagine that that should be so difficult, right? Because you don't have the original sort of vision, but you had to take it from someone and then further to that, translate it to a group of other people to help reach the vision. What challenges do you think? What are the biggest challenges that you faced as CEO? One of the biggest challenges that I face as CEO is exactly that, getting that buy-in. But I think fortunately, because it's such an exciting technology and um, experiencing it for yourself will lure you in. And I think um, I was able to translate that vision to the community that we were based in because that had always been a very strong part um, or value of the group, which is that, you know, we need to be based in a community where we would have a positive, positive impact immediately. And that positive impact was creating 20 permanent jobs for people in the community of Harangua and working with over 38 small businesses in bringing this vision to life and getting them to, you know, be it from refurbishing the factory to to anything and everything. Um, that was a really great um, experience. But your challenges would be on factors that do not, um, which you have no control over. So this can be from a logistics perspective, um, from even 
you know, because it's a novel technology in in Africa, it we we had the challenge of how do we translate this um, to the public? How do you ensure that people understand that producing water from air does not mean that you're going to end up drinking polluted water? So conversion mm-hmm. will always be a challenge for you. And then for me. Um, I think, you know, I mentioned I'm relatively young and I took on that role three years ago. So you can imagine I was 26 um, Mm -hmm. and you are then having to manage people who are as old as your own mother and everything like that. So you had to find, I had to find a way to, 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 to get their buy-in when it comes to my leadership and Mm -hmm. me bringing them on board in uh, bringing this vision to life. So, you know, intergenerational leadership issues, you're going to have that or challenges, but we straightened all of those things out, you know. Um, it's a matter of really being patient and also c- killing the ego, stepping outside yourself and understanding that you don't know everything. And I knew I didn't know everything. Therefore, I had to hire people who did hired people hire specialists in order to bring this to life so the biggest challenge will always be yourself because how is it you you have to look at how you look at things you're going to have to decide whether you will be stuck in imposter syndrome which is natural um don't dwell on it get out of yourself and believe that you can you know see the bigger picture and then come back and Break it into smaller bits and pieces and get the right team to move you forward. Sure. Uh, this might feel like a silly question, but how did you know all of this? <laughs> like, how did you know you <laughs> all of this? Because that's hard, hey? and that doesn't necessarily come naturally to everyone. Um, that's where that foundation came from, the foundation of reading um, books, uh, by, you know, accomplished and established uh, business people and entrepreneurs, your Richard Branson's and everything. Um, I think getting to know those challenges, I'm sure when I was in grade eight, grade nine, when I read that book, I didn't necessarily read Richard Branson's um, uh, book as if I, I understood everything he was saying. But I think mm. later on, it came back to me. I mean, this is a man who was dyslexic and started a magazine when he was young so I mean that tells you that you need to you know don't limit yourself you know what people can use against you should not be something you'd want to use against yourself so exposure also again uh, my mentor my mom and the people that I surround myself with and just the content that I consumed um made me understand a few of those things at a younger age. And I mean, it's not like I don't experience those self-doubt, the self-doubt or, or the imposter syndrome. I mean, that comes with every single phase of your life. You just don't have to let it consume you. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, you mentioned books a lot, so I need to ask you, besides the book, the, 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 the two books you mentioned in the beginning, what are your top three books that you would recommend, um, let's say, to specifically to someone um, who, who's starting a venture, a business venture? Oh, I could even just give you one when it comes to that. Um, okay. Phil Knight's Shoe Dog. 
my goodness ah, i think Nike. <laughs> <laughs> i think it's a fantastic book oh my word i love you know how it's written i love the honesty and the rawness of it and i think you know it doesn't even need to be a top three after reading that i don't know what else will not shake you into believing in in your dreams and what you can build and understanding that the challenges will come because my goodness, he faced all kinds of challenges and he came through that, you know, you don't need to stay in it. Um, Mm -hmm. So I would definitely say that, I mean, everything else, it's just an uh, an added bonus, but I really did enjoy um, the one that everybody loved, um, the Five AM Club. I think that was a really really nice book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I also loved um, a book by a French author. It is called, jeez, um, I forgot the name of it. I'll I'll remember it, um, but it's also in one of my top three, and. Um, it deals with every single aspect of like being a career woman a woman work and the art of savafi that's the name of the book so please repeat that woman work and the art of savafi i don't know if okay. i'm saying the savar right um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but um that's the title of the book and um she used to be the author used to be the vp the vp of um verve Clico at some point in her career she also wrote the book um french women don't get fat um but this book it's it just covers every single part of you know a woman's career and um journey through life and you know how she navigated through that and you know her her tips and everything i really enjoyed that book and i think that also had an impact on me i am definitely picking that up um i started reading shoe dog um so i'll I'm, like i have more encouragement to finish it now please do please do <laughs> 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 yes okay um okay so tell me yeah what 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 is the worst career advice that you've ever received worst career advice would be mm-hmm. ignore opportunities presented to you by startups and small businesses and only focus on large corporates i think that was like the worst um, did, did someone say that to you Yes, yes. You know, people always be like, oh, no, just, you know, look at your your big firms or management consulting, la, 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 and all of that. And I never followed that. You know, I think, um, like I said, you know, my journey like starts here, goes to a completely different, you know, industry. And my weird and wonderful career tra- trajectory is a result of being open to working for startups. Um, I believe that all big corporations were exactly that at some point, right? And granted, both have their pros and cons. Um, But I think if you ever want to be an entrepreneur, having that experience of working with someone directly um, in building their dreams will eventually help you and teach you how to build your own many years later. So you, you get this front row seat with the the, the, the the MD or the founder or the CEO of the company, that sometimes, you know, that proximity you won't necessarily get from a, a bigger corporation, a large corporation, a listed corporation. But 
I mean, that also has its own pros, right? So I think it's a mixture of both. It all depends about, it all depends on where you see yourself going. So for me, it might, it might be the worst advice I've received, but for somebody else, it could be the best because we all have different journeys. But for me and where I'm going, I think um, my mix worked pretty well for me. Mm. Mm. And what have been the highlights and lowlights of your journey? Highlights, I think we mentioned, um, you know, building a company from paper to an actual organization build and building and getting such a really solid team and seeing the growth, even though I've left the company, I think, you know, um, seeing how people grow and how you can contribute to that by just being open as a leader. Um, I think that that was a highlight for me. Impact has to be the biggest and best highlight. Um, I think as women, we are indirectly taught to shy away from saying, hey, I did that, like, yeah, this is what I did. Um, but no more. We can't do that anymore, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if we're going to have many more young, driven, ambitious girls, they, they need to hear other young women's voices become louder and owning their successes and also their lessons at the same time. So for a highlight for me would have been would be the impact created through my my journey as CEO of Aquaia. And the low lights? Low light, um I think it's a, a personal low light for me was honestly losing my grandmother and a really good friend to me. And yeah, I think my heart almost stopped. Well, in a period of like a month, all of that happened this year. Um, Career-wise, I don't think I necessarily have lowlights. I just have quite a lot of lessons. Sure. My condolences. And so, okay, so you said you have a lot of lessons. Give us at least two or three lessons that you've learned. (laughs) (laughs) You set yourself up with that one. I set myself up. Um, Lesson number one would be... I think it's more about habits. Get your habits right. For success, you need to definitely get your habits right. And it's more around procrastination. I had a bad habit of that. I used to procrastinate. Um, Because I think at some point, we all like fooling ourselves, thinking that we can work really well under pressure. And (laughs) (laughs) you're like, listen, I work the best when, you know, I, I have to beat the clock and everything. And you get surprised when you get these amazing results from that, right? And then you start making that a habit. But then you have to start asking yourself, like, what if you actually gave yourself enough time? And when you do that, then you can actually aim for peak performance. Because even if you're, you you did an 80% and you were pressed for time, you could have actually hit 100 if you gave yourself time, you know, so I think that's one of the lessons um, that I learned. You really need to give yourself enough time. Don't set yourself up for failure. Always be prepared and eat the frog for heaven's sake. Like, you know, we like putting things um, off and just thinking, you know, even from just emails, you, you just get anxiety thinking and I need to open my emails and everything. So that's one of the biggest lessons learned. Don't put things off and also see things through. So I I had a thing of 
you know, when I was younger, like I said, I, I've sold anything and everything. And in varsity, then starting all these little ventures and then leaving them halfway. Um, but I've learned, you know, through my experience at Aquae is to really see things through. Because once you've done that, you just build more confidence in yourself. And you realize that we're all creators at the end of the day. You can be a starter and a finisher. I used to think I'm just a starter. But now uh, I think you can definitely be bold. But it's about how much time and effort you're willing to put in. Mm, sure. All those things, I feel like you're, <laughs> you're attacking me. <laughs> I'm a big procrastinator. I like to start things. I have, like, I, I am a starter. So <laughs> I'm definitely taking those lessons, those lessons with me, yeah. for sure. Yeah. What do what do you think is the biggest sacrifice that you've had to make for your career? Yeah. Okay. That one. Um, my two friends and I started like this awesome um um luxury natural skincare startup like business um over seven years ago, right? And we even got incubated by the innovation hub. We were selling a little bit, you know. Um, but once we got incubated. You know, the program required so much time and energy and attention and we had jobs. So this was like a side hustle for us. And getting into the program meant, you know, this affected our working schedules. We affected our leave days. And, you know, there's only so many times, you know, you you can miss, you know, a few things in the morning. And at some point we had to let that go. We were not necessarily coping. So it became a big regret and a big sacrifice. We had to let the company go in order for us to really focus on our individual careers. And I think it's something that we all still reflect on as friends. And like, we're like, geez, ne? like we, we had something great going there and, you know, we, we, we had to sacrifice it. Yeah. Ach. Yeah, that's 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 the tricky thing when you when you are working and you have a career and you want to start something else. Sometimes there does come a point where you have to choose. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, have to choose, and you know maybe we weren't ready back then. You know, um, yeah. And but I would say like you know you should start something something when you're young. You know, do anything and everything when you have minimum responsibilities because. Mm. At some point, then you have to make calculated risks. When you have mortgages and you've got kids and everything, what you do does not only affect you. You can't be like, you're going to live on noodles and water and, you know, when you've got yeah. children, you have to make really responsible decisions because they, they impact everybody else. They, they affect everybody else in your life. Mm, definitely. Yeah. So, by the way, you did mention that um, you've now left Aquae. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about what are you up to these days? Um, yeah, what's 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 what? Are, what are you up to these days? Let's just leave it. Up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to be a bit coy about this um, right now. No, um, <laughs> I'm working on a few projects. I think if we were shooting this like the next week, I could confirm one of them. <laughs> But um, yeah, I'm working on a few things that are quite exciting. Um, bringing 
everything that I've said together, actually. So something in tech, something in manufacturing, and something of my own. And yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. So we might have a follow-up interview, and then you can ask me that again. (laughs) We're definitely going to have a follow-up on this. (laughs) Definitely. Um, some things, you know, you know, we spoke a lot about vision and uh, like being, when you lead something that you have to, you know, have a vision, translate that vision to everyone, to all the people that work for the company, um, back to the stakeholders. What is your vision for Kia? My vision for Kia, um, wow, it's, it's, it's surrounded by impact, um and it focuses on what i can do for people what profit i can bring and how i impact the planet my my vision is really to you know my vision is audacious in the sense that i i i want to create this wealth and be able to share it especially with young women so um I want to be that that example. Um, though I want to be what my mentor was to me mm. for other women. I want them to know that it's possible. But the only way I can do that is to become the highest level of myself. You know, operate in that space. And once you do that, you are able to inspire others or liberate others to do the same. So once I'm there the self-made billionaire <laughs> who's built all of these amazing organizations, um, you know, then I'm able to show other women that they can too. Then you'll release your book. Then I'll release my book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So, so Kia, we are now at my favorite part of the podcast. Okay. Where I get to ask my favorite question. Yeah. The reason I love this question is it goes back to um, my favorite quote, which, by the way, ties in perfectly with what you were saying your vision is. But my favorite quote is, be who you needed when you were younger. Oh, amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, but I love that you were saying that you want to be who your mentor was to you, to other women, you know. Um but I just want to know, you know, we, we, we can't change time and go back in time and change any of our actions. But I believe that if there's something that you would have needed when you were younger, there's someone who needs to hear that or see that today. So I want to know from you, if you could go back in time and talk to younger Kia at any age, this could be you at 10, 15, 22, last year. <laughs> if you could go back and talk to younger Kia, what would you say to her? Focus, focus, and focus. Um, because you know, no one can take your destiny away from you. You know, it's God given. So what ends up happening is distractions delay your destiny. And only you have control over those distractions. I think we all have um, you know, some habits and things that we we, ha- we have to overcome ourselves. So I would tell her to just, you know, keep on focusing, keep the main thing, the main thing. And uh, as I think Bonang once said, is feed your focus, 
about your distractions. That's the only thing I would say to young Akea from high school to university to, you know, the beginning of my career. And even till today, I think that's something that you constantly have to work on because you will come across those distractions and you can stay in them. I mean, they are going to happen and some of them you can't control. But do not dwell in things that are taking your eyes off the ball. So you have to stick to your vision. You have to stick to that goal that you've set for your life for your life you know um that's the only way you can also overcome failure because it's going to happen on your journey um you just need to focus mm, mm, absolutely and the dis- and the, that's the thing with distractions it's they're continuous right they don't yeah. doesn't just stop yeah you're not alone on earth you know you're on a highway mm. there are other cars there are accidents mm. on the road you are going to get stuck on the road but you have to keep moving. Change the tire. Oh, AA. Do whatever you need to do, but keep on moving. Mm, I love, I love, I love that image. You're on a highway. There's, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's always lot. something. It might just start raining, and <laughs> you have to slow down. But keep moving. Keep on moving. Keep on moving because mm. you don't know who's watching. You don't know how many people you're inspiring. Um, you think you're small. Um, and you're not at a place that, um, that you believe is your is, is success. But that's success to someone else. So if you stop, if you stop, then what must happen? Mm. <laughs> you know, as black women, we can't afford to stop. We can't afford to. So we have to keep moving. Um, it's not going to be easy. It will be difficult. I think we discussed this in, in the beginning um, when we were just talking off the record um, about, you know, challenges that you face as a, as a woman and um, in corporate or anywhere else. And, you know, when you're looking at these women, you think, geez, like, this is a lot of stress. But can you imagine if she gave up? (laughs) What would that mean to you? You know, so you are the same for someone else. Someone else is looking at you where you are and thinking, wow, Bilo is such a game changer. And you don't see that. And then you give up. So what should happen then? Yeah. Yeah. It becomes like a domino effect. Exactly. It becomes a domino effect. Mm. No, I absolutely love that. Love, love, love that. Uh, Kia, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on here. Thank you for being so generous with your story. Um, How can our audience get in touch with you or follow your journey? Um, well, for now, they can get in touch with me on my social media platforms. They are all the same, which is at... Keamo, K-E-A-M-O underscore Mato, M-A-T-S-H-O. So definitely on all of those platforms, I am available. Um, And yeah. Thank you so much, Kia. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bello, for the amazing work that you're doing. Um, I think you don't know how many women you're touching with She Brigade and, um, you know, giving them access to other women who look just like them who could be in the same positions as they are um yeah very important work you're doing thank you thank you so much for listening to she brigade 
If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend you think will enjoy it too. You can also share it on your social media and tag us at SheBrigade. Don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter using the link in the show notes. We'd also love to hear your feedback, so feel free to email your questions or your suggestions to info at SheBrigade.com or DM us on Instagram or Twitter at SheBrigade. Until next time, bye. Thank you.